Pastor, uh, here, our message today instead of yesterday, entitled the message, Who Has Believed Our Report? But this reasoning comes from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul and the book of Romans and, and the book of Isaiah goes down a, a similar path and the Isaiah is known to be part of the they said it's kind of a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ but we know the whole book is the word of God and it's the reporting about Jesus Christ it's the power that the words carry and uh, we started this from the book of Isaiah the 53rd chapter the first through the 15th verse which I won't read well I'll attempt to read a a large portion of that chapter but in connection with the scripture text the book of Romans the 9th through the 10th chapter I would ask you to read those chapters in conjunction with what we're teaching today because as the book of Hebrews says laying aside the laying on of hands and the doctrines of baptism Let us go on to the perfecting of the saints. And in this day and time, we have to realize that there's more than just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that when Isaiah in the 53rd chapter writes, it's a dual prophecy. He wrote to the captives coming back from Babylon during that time. The the time of that prophecy was maybe 75 to 100 years before they went into captivity. They hadn't went into captivity yet, but they were going to go into captivity, stay in the captivity some 70 years. God was going to release them to come back to Jerusalem and build the temple of God. And so it was good news that Isaiah was delivering unto them to the ears of those that it fell on. But it's just like today. The people that say they were Christians or, or was reared as a Christian or, or whatever, just like the angels had, who had never felt the bondage and the ravages of sin and what it has done to a person, wouldn't know the pardon or the release from sin. Only those of us who hear, who hear the word of God, and it's good news because it resonates with something within you. In the beginning of the world, God had chosen a people. He had predestinated a people that will be conformed to His image and to His likeness and that He was to give the Son and the Son would make these into His image and into His likeness. The Old Testament was a shadow of what God would be doing in the New Testament because it's a spiritual work, it's a spiritual man that God is making. He's making man over again and he's telling, he sent the prophets, he sent a group of people to tell a story, to tell exactly what happened and what will happen and what's happening. And so it's just like watching a movie, a, a, a 
participating in something in life, either you believe it or you don't believe it. But there are some that don't have the ability to believe it or God hadn't chosen them or called them to believe this. So those are the ones that hear the gospel, hear the word of God, but they believe that there is a God, but it's not a belief on the salvation. And, and Paul explains this in the book of Romans that through creation we all know that there is a God. Through the things that there is, there's a signs of it, uh, intelligent design in creation. But that's not a saving knowledge. The grace of God had appeared unto all men, but it's not a saving grace. It's what you call common grace. Common grace. But there is a grace that God sheds upon mankind, upon some. And in the book of Isaiah, if we go back way back to Isaiah, the sixth chap the first chapter when he was commissioning Isaiah and I went to my daughter's yesterday and I sat back and I was thinking about this and about Isaiah and God appeared unto Isaiah and told Isaiah that it would be a time that Isaiah would preach to people. He would send him out to preach to people. They wouldn't believe what he was saying. They wouldn't understand what he was saying. They wouldn't have ears to hear because he had created in this world God is the father of all beings but he's not their spiritual father so I'm trying not to put too much in this as I'm summarizing this but I'm trying to put enough in it to where you're understanding that unless God chooses you and calls you you can't believe You can't understand the Word of God. You can't become a child of God. God has to choose you. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah says, Who had believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when he shall appear... There is no beauty that we should desire Him. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. But this has to be applicable to each and every one of us that the same what He says about Himself, He's saying about us also. That's why as we close in the doxology, as I said, what He say to one, He say to all. So when He was telling Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He wasn't just talking to Peter about Peter. He was talking to all of the disciples. So what's in the Bible, a lot of it's applicable to us all because we are all sons of God and there is no partiality with God. If you continue to read on in that 15th chapter of those 15 verses, this is talking about the Messiah, the Christ to come, in that a lot of people that the Jews rejected Jesus Christ when he came because they didn't want a suffering Messiah, a Messiah that wasn't going to deliver them from the Romans in a militaristic way. 
in a power struggle and overcome. So what he discusses about the Messiah in this chapter, it's a little bit hard to believe whether he's a, a deliverer, he's that wonderful counsel, and that he's that one God and that he is the Christ. God has to open up our eyes so that we can believe this whole book. This whole book. Because without an opening of our eyes, we're like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We could be right in the presence of Jesus, talking and and, uh, conversing with him, and not see or know who he are. There's a lot of people that's going to do a lot for Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is going to say he never knew them. So a lot of the commentaries and people saying, is this a rhetorical question? For it says, who had believed our report and to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed? So we have to study God's word to show ourselves approved. So I don't think this is a starting scripture for someone that's young in the gospel and in young in the church. And I was talking to my nephew about getting in the church or whatever because we must know this if we will be part of those that he had called and chosen. If we are priesthood, we have to be preparing to do our jobs as a priesthood, as a royal priesthood. We can't just come into a job and not know the job description and what we're doing. So the practice run is right here on this earth. His will is being done on this earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to try to maybe answer this question as I go along and manifest it to you as I go along, and then in the conclusion I may say a little something about it. But the book of Romans is Paul quoting this very verse. He says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who had believed our report? Here he is talking about Israel the chapter 9, 10, and 11, he's talking about Israel and God's rejection of physical Israel. Because all of Israel is not Israel, and God had closed their minds. He had closed their hearts. He hadn't given them a heart to understand because he was provoking jealousy in them so that he could receive the Gentiles. There was going to be a times of the Gentiles. Now, through our past studies and studying before, we see where the gospel was going to go to the the Gentile nations and that God was going to receive all nations. All nations was going to be the same, and it wasn't just going to be Israel as a chosen nation. So I think it was last chapter where we read where he says he's going to sprinkle many nations. So out of all the nations and the peoples in the world, God is choosing him a people. He is getting a people. So as to get that people, the way that selection goes, he makes it available to all. To all to hear the gospel. That's why in the Great Commission he tells us to go ye into all of the world and 
proclaim the gospel, make disciples. So we don't know who he's making a disciple or who he's bringing into the fold here. And you, we remember he said that he has sheep of another fold that he has to bring in with it. Yes. My first first point is reporting of the news. Uh, what's the report? The report is the message, and he sends his angels, his preachers, and his messengers to deliver this proclamation, and that is the good news, the glad tidings that Jesus Christ has come as a sacrifice, as a substitutional sacrifice, and he had died in our place. He had took our sins upon him. Read a little bit further here in that verse where it says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and, and carried our sorrows. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. It wasn't because of something he did, the reason he was stricken and the reason he was afflicted it was because of us he was bearing our chastisement he was taking our sin upon him so it says he was bruised and for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed it was because of us this innocent sacrifice this innocent man came and died for us. Now, a lot of people believe in the historical Jesus Christ that there was a man named Jesus and he came and he died for the sins of the people of the world. But they're just like the devils. They believe, but they don't operate in faith. And because after believing, that is an action that has to occur. But the message has to get out that our sins have been forgiven, that someone had came and died and reconciled us back to God, that they made a way back to God, that we were justified. We've been put back in right standing with God just as though we never sinned in the Adamic state, the pre-Adamic state in which we were, the innocence is there. And it's in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. That he had taken death out of the picture. We no longer die. That's why John 16, 316 is whoever believed upon him. You see, we have eternal life. But see, we can't build a religion, a, a life, uh, make a dogma out of just one or two scriptures. We have to have the whole counsel of God declared unto us and that's why we see in the New Testament that he has sent the apostles to declare the whole counsel of God from us. 
from Genesis to Revelation that we would understand the Word of God, that we just can't live anyway and come to church on Christmas and Easter, which are pagan holidays that has nothing to do with Him and that we're satisfying our uh, debt toward God. No, that's, that's incorrect. And I, I was trying to tell my nephew, I said, well, our family has had a problem. If we, the more we believe God's report, the more we go back and examine ourselves and our families. As we're coming up on communion this week, have you been examining yourself and your life and what's going on to see your unworthiness? How many of us are really religious people that believe and been following Jesus Christ and how many of our families have kept us in church and we've followed God, we've got away from our sins or whatever, and that we know the gospel, that we know what the good tidings is, the news, the message that's being proclaimed, or do we just know about Jesus, there was a man named Jesus, he's strong in the salvation and all these other things. Because the gospel has the power of God to establish you. But if you're not hearing that word, the necessary ingredient for you to grow is missing because you have to have faith. And that's what he's coming back looking for those that have faith. And those that have faith and faith being synonymous here with believe, it's when a person has faith, that faith has works unless they're of the first people I talked about, those that had dead works. Okay, so the necessary ingredient here is faith. Yes. Faith coming by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So those that are not going to church, those that are not hearing God's word preach, the substance, faith is the substance of those things. In other words, the substance is missing that's necessary for your inner growth. You may be strong physically outside or whatever, but the structure, your inner structure, that underlying substance, that, that faith is not there. So that's the only way that we can be born, and that's the only way, that's the only thing that pleases God is having faith. So that's a lot lacking by not hearing the word of God. We must hear the word of God. So that's why he sent all of these witnesses out here with this good news and the message. The book of Jeremiah, the 35th chapter and the 15th verse says, I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way and amend your doings and go and amend your doings and not go after other gods to serve them and you shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers but you have not inclined your ears nor hearkened unto me so he had sent all of the prophets unto us at the end of the, that testimonial period of the, New Test, the Old Testament period he sent John the Baptist preaching his message preparing the way for the premier messenger and that is Jesus Christ Jesus Christ makes his advent he comes on the scene 
who's going to believe him? And, and I, I can't just go back and recap and talk all the things I've said in Bible studies and whatever, but this is one that rose from the dead in which they didn't believe him either. But listen at Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus come preaching? He came preaching the gospel, but he put repentance ahead of that. He said, you must turn. In other words, this is a command. This is not just a request. This is a command. He says, repent. Same thing Jeremiah said was to repent. Turn. So how many churches of televangelists are we hearing preaching repentance? Though? We have to turn from the direction of the way we are going. The world is going in the wrong direction. It's headed over a cliff. It's headed into condemnation. But how many are preaching repentance? That's why I say, have we seen that we are as sheep as he says, all we, that verse says, six verse says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. So all of us had did wrong. All of us had sinned, and God took that sin and put it up on this man. Now, are you listening and you believing what I'm saying? Yes. Because belief requires something here. Yes. That's why I say this belief is faith. That's just like Abraham. His belief had to become faith. Faith is something that is unseen. In other words, he had to start trusting an invisible God. He had to trust God's Word. We have to trust God's Word. Now, as messengers of God, the whole Word of God, that's how man should live. That's the report. That's the message. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And this is that Word. All of the prophets have to proclaim this. If they come not with this doctrine, the Antichrist, they are false teachers, beware of them. So, as the first verse says, who had believed? How do we know once someone believes this are those that don't believe it? Isaiah 61, Christ himself read this when he came in the temple, but he only read a portion of it. But the portion that he didn't read is the portion that's true for us today and we see that there's a judgment. This is a day of judgment upon those that don't believe that report and upon those that believe the report, we can see these things in their lives. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He stopped there at the end of that sentence. But that's the same thing we do. We proclaim liberty to the captives. We proclaim the message of God. That's what I say. What he, We say to one, we say to all. All of us will do the work of evangelists. So when we receive of the Spirit, 
we're commissioned by Matthew 28 19 to go into all of the world and make disciples. We're to preach this same message because the message has to be heard whether people take heed to it or not. Because some will be damned hearing this very message. The majority of them will. Now this is the portion of the message that's active today and we know that God's word is going forth in this today. It says, And the day of vengeance upon of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they might be glorified. So we're these tender young branches that are planted. When his spirit come into our lives, if we abide in the vine, if we abide in him, we'll start bringing forth fruit. we being fruitful and multiplied, as he told us in the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. That has a dual meaning, both physically and spiritually. We are to multiply physically. We are to go out and make disciples. We are to go out, but we have to have fruit bearing in our lives also. There's no way our lives don't produce fruit if we're obedient to the word of God. There's no way because it says, my word shall not return unto me void, but it'll accomplish the purpose that he sent it to. Some that purpose is to damn some. That purpose is to commit some that they will reject and they will rebel against God's word they will not take heed to God's word. Some are that way, and it's a majority, because there are two seeds in the earth. Yep. So the question still lingers there, that rhetorical question. Who had believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now this is it's the second point. Repentance, rejection, and rebellion. Who had believed? Believing the report results in changed lives. Have these people's lives been changed? If someone is, has repented, we should be a, we should be able to see a change in their lives. It's just like an orange tree and an apple tree. We should see what's going on in their life. Not that you can judge people spiritually. Correctly, when we start looking from the perspective of God at their conduct in their attitudes, are these things that the children of God would do, or the children of God would say. That's why I told you we have to study God's word because this is another element of salvation is that when you repent, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when they say, what must we do to be saved? Peter responded, repent, repent, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Not just a physical baptism, but you must be washed by the word because as in Ezekiel, as in Isaiah, he says, I'll sprinkle the nations, I'll sprinkle the people with the word of God. In other words, with clean water. This water, all of us that has this hope, 
applies the word of God to our life. It's necessary for the remission of sin. For the removal of sin, the word of God has to be active in our lives. We have to be doers of the word of God. Sometimes it causes feelings of depression and inadequacy. I told you about Isaiah was feeling a little bit depressed after he fought with Jezebel. Sometimes this world and the things in life comes in and then we see how woolly inadequate we seem sometimes. And that's made to make us look unto God, pray unto God, and trust and have faith in Him. He's our joy and He's our hope. Now, back to the 8th chapter, I mean the 3rd chapter, 8th through the 12th verse, Jesus was preaching and Let's go to the religious people, just like the people of our day. Just like the people of Israel's time. It was the religious people that caused Israel's downfall. It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come his baptism, that was John the Baptist preaching, and he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruit, therefore meet for repentance. And think not to say to yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is shewn down and cast into the fire, And he goes on to talk about baptism. But we see a judgment here that these people that hear the gospel preach, they believe and are baptized. But he tells them, you have to bring forth and have actions. That's the one at the door. So here was John telling these Pharisees, these are the religious people, that their lives had to have actions and things going on in their lives that would demonstrate that they had repented and that they would turn in the right direction. Because we know Jesus didn't build the church upon the Pharisees, that that temple was thrown down. And he said, that's why when John says the axe is laid at the root of the tree, that which is in our lives are false, that which we had been building on, that's wood, hay, and stubble, is not a part of the gospel. It's not a part of what Jesus Christ commanded. It's not a part of his word. We have to listen at what the apostles said. Because we're listening at a lot of churches and there, there's so much going on here. There's so many voices, but... Is it the correct message? All of the messages, are they becoming garbled? That's why I said, he has to plant it in you, and you have to personally do what we're saying. Pray to God, read and study his word, and work so he can show you the ones through a direct revelations that are not right, that's not correct. You don't have to listen at everybody that's preaching or teaching because... It's a confusion. 
it, it gives you the wrong spirit or the wrong ideology. And it seems as you're saying as, as the world, the unbelievers and a lot of people that look at the church and they're saying from what these people are saying or doing, this is not what Jesus Christ said, the way we should act and the way she, we should carry out our lives. But that shouldn't be a slight on Christianity or whatever. Jesus knew that was going to happen. That's where we have to really draw nigh and seek God. You can't afford to do all of the things you do during the week in your life and think that one hour a day or one hour through the week or something and you remain close to God or the disciple of God. You have to deny yourself. You have to become separated from the world. You can't participate in the world. So that's revealing that these people didn't believe the report because they would be growing. They wouldn't be deceived. It's impossible to deceive the elect. So the church, those that believe the report, are growing stronger and stronger. They're not being discouraged they may be discomforted and suffering as this servant was suffering. And people may look at their lives, and that's why I say all the time looking at the exterior, we can't tell the interior, and unless we know God, we don't know the reason why they're that way. They didn't know the reason this suffering servant was the way he was, and they were rejecting him. He didn't look kingly, and they didn't realize that this man was actually going through dying for them. It's like the pregnant mother that's bringing a child in the world and has went so much and through so much for the child, and then the child rejects the mother or goes away from the mother not knowing what all of that mother did to bring them in the world. Now they're looking for something else, something new, other gods, other people are parenting or whatever. So we've rejected the true God, the one who had given us birth. We've left our first love. We hadn't got into a relationship with him by not believing the report. By not believing the word of God, it's through disobedience that our lives are hewn down. Listen at this. It says, those that are hard-hearted and not chosen. John the 12th chapter says, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed him not believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake. Lord, who had believed our report, and to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed. Now, this is Jesus Christ. This is the same scripture from Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, placed here in John, the 12th chapter, saying they didn't believe Jesus, even though he worked all of these miracles, their hearts was hardened against them because they were carnal. That's why he said, who had believed our report? Just who is the arm of the Lord revealed unto? Who sees his strength? Who sees his might? They had seen these awesome miracles. God had brought them this far, but they were continuing in their sin. So outwardly, we can see that by not departing from iniquity, they didn't believe what the word was saying because the blood, if you believe you would do these things. You remember I said we have to equate in God's definition of believing, it involves obeying. 
if you hear and hear God's word and hear or know what God's word says, that means you, you would be obedient unto that word. You would fear and reverence God. So you don't actually believe what God said. You think that you can live the way you live it and still go to heaven. You think you live the way you live and still go be in the kingdom of God. You don't go to church. You don't do any of the things that require in the word of God. Now you may love your neighbor. You may do good things for your parents. You may do good things for the people on the job. It says, had we fed the needy. Well, don't care who you feed. It doesn't make a difference to God. You may do good deeds. He says, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I visit the sick and needy in the prisons and all of these things in hospitals? But that is physical. That doesn't get you to God. That's filthy rags in God's sight. God has to lead you. God has to be the one that's telling you to do these things. Because Jesus said, I never knew you. So in this report is that you have to be born again but it requires repentance to be born again. You have to turn from sin. Your life has to be cleared. For God to, to do exactly what He was saying. This is available. This is advertised. Now, the Romans wrote, I told you it was reasoning from Paul's rationale, is that if we can't get there from there, and if, 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 how can we get to God? If Israel couldn't get there, it would be that God has to choose you. He has to birth you into His family. You have to be predestinated. That's where it requires faith and hearing of the Word of God. So, if you in a church, uh, if you hearing the Word preached, and it could be someone outside the church but they would have to be proclaiming this word you're born again by the will of God but it's through the word by grace it's not by singing it's not by all of these other things the word of God has to be that seed of faith that's planted in you in other words it's going to require hearing what God is saying in his word that I've died for you, that I've born, that you're born again, that you have to live in this way, you have to obey me, you have to continue in my word, you have to do these things. In other words, this report is consistently going, this message is being proclaimed because it's by believing what's being said. God makes this about what was said because. In the beginning, it was the Satan, it was the devil that caused us not to believe what God had said. That's why he says, had God said. The power of life and death is in the words. It's in the words that we speak. So Paul says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he says, how then shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed. How can you call upon God if you hadn't believed God? And how shall you believe in Him of whom they have not heard? If you hadn't heard this, how can you believe this? 
How can you believe it? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If, if you're not witnessing the gospel, if we're not preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, how can these people hear? Whether they're condemned or not, if we don't verbally proclaim it, make a proclamation of the gospel, if we don't give the report, how can they believe the report? Who is the arm of the Lord revealed? And I told you it had to come through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not how I say what I say. It's just that I say the word of God in the power is in the arm of God. It's in the, the strength is in God. It's in the spirit of God. He then opens up your understanding that you understand the scriptures. What I'm saying goes home somewhere in your heart. In other words, not in this muscle here, but in the seat of your understanding. Yes. Into your mind, the noose. That's what the heart is, the noose. It's a place of the seat of learning. And what you said, that sounds right to me. It touches something. It's in agreement. And as you keep hearing that, that sound gets louder and louder. It gets stronger and stronger. You start hungering and thirsting for more. It's like a cocaine addiction. It's like... Wine, it, it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You're going to want more and more of this. It's like drinking seawater. Once you begin in the Word of God, you're going to want to be filled with it. You taste this and see that the Lord is good. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall he preach except he be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and, be, and bring good tidings, bring glad tidings. Because it's good news. We were bound. We were dying. We were sick. We were captives to this world, to the things of this world. Now this word, God promises that he had released us, will release us, is releasing us, and that we'll be in the kingdom of God having eternal life, living forever, and that we've been released from bondage. He had given us dominion that the world has no power and authority over us anymore. Once we start realizing this, walking and living a life of faith, and then people seeing this, they'll realize as they realized with Peter and the rest of the apostles, that of his boldness, they said, these people had been with Jesus. These people had been with Jesus because now you walking a different way. you talking a different way. You have a different spirit. Something is empowering you. This is not you, and you can't attribute it to you. And that's why people ask what is wrong or what's different. You tell them of the hope that lies in you, and that hope is Christ Jesus. That hope is the good news that this man has died for me, released me from sins, and now I live for him. I, I, I'm denying myself. It says, Paul says, that this is repeated just as Jesus repeated, just as John repeated, it's the same thing Isaiah said. Here Paul reasons from the same way he says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Because everybody hadn't obeyed. They had heard it, but they had rejected it. They rebelled against it. They didn't receive it. 
And it says, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all of the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. He has sent this gospel everywhere in the world. So they've heard it, but they've rejected it. It didn't mean anything. They loved the world. They, they heard the truth, but they rejected the truth. But as children of God, we know, and that's why we treat people the way we do, not as the Pharisees do, is because they can't hear. God hadn't given them ears to hear. They're not God's people. But as God's people, He tells us that we're to live peaceable with all men. We're not to make it hard for everybody else. We're to love our enemies. But we see the church now, they're an adversary and they're fighting against the things in the people of the world. Why not let the world do what the world is doing because it's going to come to an end anyhow. I'm just traveling around on this rock. I'm a pilgrim here in this land. So the Christians should be involved in talking about making laws and ruling of this world Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world. See, because the love of money and the love of the world, you have gotten entangled in the affairs of this world. And a good soldier of Jesus Christ don't get entangled in this world. Paul goes on. This same reasoning runs throughout Romans because I'm on time. I can't go through. The, but that's why we have preaching and teaching because the word of God we shouldn't forsake the assembling together of ourselves. We should be meeting many more times a week than we do meet. Because that's feeding of the people. That's one thing he told Peter. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He told him that three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. But we're fed on television. We're fed on computers. We're fed on sports, entertainment, and all of the things in the world. So we're full. There's no room for God in our lives. Seeing that we hadn't believed, some of us hadn't believed that report. Paul continues to tell the retribution of God. You know, I tell you, two things that are going on. God's people are growing, and that's why prosperity is true. God's people are prospering and growing and taking over. God's people, the kingdom, we should see the kingdom growing. We should have joy and happiness. We shouldn't be all without hope. Those that have believed the report, they have hope. They have peace. They have joy. Because God has revealed his arm unto them. Those are the ones he's revealed his arm unto so, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. We should be resting in Christ. He's our Sabbath. He's our rest. It's the Lord's battle. We just have to supply our bodies. We have to present our bodies as living sacrifices. We're going to suffer. People are going to take advantage of us. I've spent money on auto repairs. I've spent money on different things this week. 
all through my life different things have happened. But we should start realizing that we don't take vengeance, that vengeance is God. And what's happening in the world is because our God is at work. He has a purpose and a plan for us. And we should be working on that purpose and plan because he's giving us leadership through each and every day. That's why we pray, our Father which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. He does that and he gives us a job to do every day. And that job should make us or keep us in contact with him growing in faith, growing in obedience and seeing more and more of God. Do you see that something is about to happen? Do you feel that you will live more than the next 10 or 20 years? Do you feel these things that even though your body may be frail and everything, that one day you're going to pull off that old body, that you're going to be able to do what you used to do and do it better, that you're going to mount up with eagle's wings? Do you understand in that gospel, those are the ones that believe the report. Those are the ones that the arm of the Lord has been revealed to. He says, When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obeyed not the gospel. What they did? They obeyed not the gospel. But how can we charge them with disobedience if we hadn't warned them? God warns us before he brings a judgment. He had warned Sodom and Gomorrah before he brought judgment on it. He warned Nineveh before he brought judgment on it. He warned Adam not to eat of the tree of the of good of the, of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. God warns us, and we're his warning bells. The trumpet has to give a sound. We're God's watchman. And that's why we have to warn one another. We have to preach this gospel. Anybody that comes in, in, into our vicinity, we have to be a light. We have to be a light. The salt can't lose its savor. In other words, it has to have that new feel to it that we're fresh in this and that we're telling you, you need Jesus Christ. You have to, there's no other way. That one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He says that taking vengeance on them that know not God. Now, I said a lot of people believe in God, but see, when he says know not God, they don't have an intimate fellowship with God. That's why Jesus said, I never knew you. He didn't deny that they had done all those things in his in in his name. But they didn't know him. They didn't have an intimacy. God wasn't driving them. It was through self-ambition. It was through their own righteousness. They didn't have his imputed righteousness. They had went without the whole arm of God. Because you remember he says, put on Christ. Put on your strength. He's your strength. He's your garment. You have to put him on. You have to be covered by the blood. And that's, he says, you're my disciples if you continue in my word. So this was conditional. That we have to be in Christ. So that's why the word has been repeated from Genesis to Revelation. Every prophet, every every apostle has repeated this same message 
Because this is the power of God unto salvation. This is what grows the immature. This is what grows us all. That's our necessary food. When Acts was he the one to come, John, when John sent the disciples to ask Jesus, is he the one to come? This is in closing. Now this is John the Baptist. He's in prison. Wasn't John the Baptist the one who presented Jesus as the Lamb of God? Didn't he say that this is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world? Did John the Baptist baptize Jesus? But see, John was languishing away in prison. His circumstances was depressing. Herod, in the next few days, would lift his head from his shoulders. John was under the impression, as some was, that the restoration of the kingdom was going to come. Some of our lives may not be going the way it should be. But are we going to do like John? Wonder? Now John had made this statement and Jesus had said, there's none greater than John born of women. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. But this is John. And John says, are you the one or should we look for another one? He's ready to throw him overboard here. Are you the really the one? This is in a depressed state. You remember I said a lot of his people suffer from depression. Jesus told him to tell John this. He says, the blind see, the deaf and the lame walk, and the needy has the gospel. Notice that. The poor and the need to have the gospel preached unto them for no charge. What did he give John? He gave John results of something that was happening according to his word because it was John that said that Jesus was wipe his threshing flow, the chair from his threshing flow. It was John that said Jesus would baptize you with fire. So, in other words, have faith in what you've been preaching. Keep faith in the Word. No matter what your circumstances and situations, you could die in the next few days, but have faith in that. They went back and told John what Jesus said. Because we have to understand that he didn't pray for the world, and I'll close with this. He says, I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request but also for those who dwell, will, for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. Through whose message? The apostles' message. This is chapter 17, is that you have to trust in the message of what the apostles taught. These was his disciples. And he says, if they trusted me through their message, and he told Thomas, blessed are those who believed and hadn't seen. Doubting Thomas says he wouldn't believe unless he seen the nail scars in his hand. But he told Thomas, oh, look, touch my hands and see that it is me. That was Doubting Thomas. He says, but blessed are those who hadn't seen. So here we see a necessity of faith, of hearing what was preached, trusting on the words, 
in believing the report that it has been accomplished, the Messiah has came, God has done what he promised to do, and this world is coming to a culmination of what Jesus Christ said it was. That heaven and earth is passing away. There's a new earth, a new heaven emerge. There's the kingdom of God. We have to re- be, repent because that kingdom is among us. It's within us. But we must be bearing fruit. Mark 16 and 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So all of these signs follow those who believe. So are you asking who had believed? Those who had believed are those who had faith in Jesus Christ had chosen, and he reveals himself unto them. But take note, there are copycats out there. There are counterfeits out there. So that rhetorical question is a question that we have to handle circumspectively, that we need to start to be able to see things from God's perspective to know what's what. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God, I ask you to give the people understanding of what I just delivered, the message I just delivered,